The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Finish Strong Friday presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's number one rated sportsbook app. What a weekend for the DraftKings app and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. I'll probably mention that again a little bit later. We had a very in-depth Super Bowl preview yesterday with Greg Cosell. I encourage you to check out. Later on in the show, I will, of course, give you my official Super Bowl 55 prediction. In between, though, I want to talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame class of 2021 because I feel like they always get short shrift because it's Super Bowl. I mean, these guys are Hall of Famers. So we'll talk about that with my guy, Gary Myers. He is a pro football Hall of Fame voter, one of the best pro football writers out there. I've lost track of how many amazing books he's written. So we'll get to Gary momentarily. But first, a lot of you wait all week for this. It's a winner's Friday. I want winners. I want people that want to win. That's what we want. Brian and I love people that help us to try to grow the show, either by spreading the word via social media, like at Ohio Jags Buckeye fan. Don't even know your real name. I just saw you retweeted one of the shows this week at Ross Tucker Pod. You can also retweet me at Ross Tucker NFL or like or Facebook love or Facebook share, or Instagram, like whatever. You get the point, right? As long as I see any interaction, you're eligible to be the spread the word winner. Hit me up, Ohio Jags Buckeye fan, with an email, ross at rosstucker.com. The sponsor confirmation email winner, Bob Hammond, I think Hammond, H-A-M-O-N. Bob took advantage of Manly Bands. Manly Bands, awesome, awesome. Wedding bands you can have if yours needs to be replaced or if you just want a second one. Either way, it works. And then we've got the YouTube shout out. Cisco Montano. I don't know if that's a real name or not. Supposedly a Canadian living in Japan. I don't care. You subscribe to the YouTube page, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, and you commented. So Cisco Montano, the Canadian living in Japan, 
you get a cameo style shout out for all of you. Send me that email, ross at rosstucker.com. Let me know what you'd like in terms of a signed picture, signed press pass, signed football card. I would like to talk with Gary Myers. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, so he's been a Hall of Fame voter forever. He's been a pro football Hall of Fame caliber writer forever. I mean, what was your first year, Gary? First year I covered the NFL, Ross, um, 1978. Oh, my goodness. I was covering the Giants for the Associated Press. Uh, I was living in New Jersey, and it, it got me started. I mean, at that point, you know, I was cover- for the Associated Press, I was covering the Giants, the Nets, the Cosmos. I was doing it all, and and football was just the most fun to cover, as you know. It's just a great game. I really always liked the players, and uh, it just kind of took off from there where I've made a career and, like, a life out of this. Yeah, you did. D- Gary, I was born in 79, and I will turn 42 next month. That is unbelievable. You've been covering the NFL for 42 years? Well, how about this, Russ? Um, Tom Brady was four years old when I covered my first Super Bowl, and now he's 43. That is unbelievable. By the way, you can check out Gary on Twitter, at Gary Myers New York. We're going to get into, by the way, Tom Brady in a second because of your outstanding book, Brady versus Manning. So many awesome books, by the way. I've read a bunch of them. The Catch, Coaching Confidential, My First Coach, Brady versus Manning, How About Them Cowboys. Uh, but I know you're in the New York area. Uh, you follow the Jets and Giants closely, Gary. I just want to ask you one question about each before we get to this sure. other. Uh, do you think the Giants are sold on Daniel Jones? Not uh, 100%. No, I, I think that he... You know, it used to be that a quarterback had to make the jump from, say, the third year to the fourth year. But that whole equation has changed. And now I think the jump usually is first year to second year. And it didn't happen for Jones. Um, So it has to happen second year going into third year. Or I believe a year from now, the Giants will be looking for a new quarterback. But I, I just want to add, I've seen enough in spurts with him throwing the ball, with his decision making, with his ability to run the ball, which is really a special quality that if somehow we can put it together, I think it can be a playoff winning quarterback. But again, we've just kind of seen flashes of it for two years and he's been hurt a bunch. Uh, this is a huge season uh, in, t- in 2021 coming up for Daniel Jones. He's basically playing for his Giants career this year. And then on the Jets side, do you think they'll trade for Deshaun Watson, Gary? You know, I obviously, Ross, it would depend on, on the asking price, uh, we know it's going to be high, and depending on how much the Jets are willing to give up, they have two ones and two threes this year, and in addition to their two, and then they have two ones next year. But you know, think about this: if they give up too much here, and they bring in Deshaun Watson, then the Jets turn into what the Houston Texans were this past year, where Watson throws for five thousand yards and they win four games. So the Jets are not a quarterback away from winning. If you bring Watson onto what the current Jets team is now, without all these draft choices they've accumulated, how many games are they going to win? I mean, unless they can get him for a one this year and a one next year, which is not going to happen. I mean, I've heard they want three or four ones plus Quinn and Williams. I mean, that's way, way too high. I don't think Watson is Patrick Mahomes. I just don't. 
And I would think that the better route for the Jets to go is to, if they love one of these quarterbacks or two, take them there. Otherwise, I think the best thing to do is, is trade down, uh, maximize the value of that number two pick, go one more year with Sam Darnold, and then make a decision on Sam after this year. I mean, Sam really uh, had the disadvantage of playing for Adam Gase, who was a, a huge disappointment here, obviously, and not having enough skill position players. I'd like to see what he can do with good coaching and good players around him. Let's get into Tom Brady before we get into the Hall of Fame stuff, because okay. I'm always fascinated by the Hall of Fame voting process. I know a lot of the listeners are as well. You wrote a book uh, about Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. You, had, you spent a bunch of time with Brady. I remember you telling me you were in the car with him for an hour. Um, right. I, I guess I have two questions on Brady. The first one is, can you put into words – what he's done, Gary, and how impressive this Super Bowl appearance is to do it in a new conference, away from Belichick, three road games. I mean, you've been covering the NFL for 42 years. Like, just can you put it into words how much more this adds to his legacy, I guess? Well, yeah. I mean, you can throw in there, you know, off season uh, with a new team, and you know how valuable that would have been. Um, I mean, he held a couple of workouts at those high schools in Tampa, which he shouldn't have been doing, but I'm sure that was valuable to him, but nowhere near as much as mini camps, OTAs, that kind of stuff that would have given him uh, more of an opportunity to get himself acclimated to his receivers. I think it's a tremendous accomplishment that to do it in the first year with a new team and then to prove that, you know, this, the Brady Belichick argument has really heated up the last two weeks. I mean, it was going strong during the season as Tom was on his way to making the playoffs and Belichick was on his way to a seven or nine season. But now that Tom has gotten to a Super Bowl without Belichick, I think this tilts the, the argument, you know, decidedly in, in Tom's favor. Ross, you know, a lot of people have asked me, you know, is this Brady's greatest accomplishment? And I still say 2001 when he took over for Bledsoe, um, after Drew suffered that injury against the Jets late in the second game of the season, was pretty much a game manager the rest of the year. Nobody knew anything about Tom Brady would develop at that point. It was, you know, he was a sixth-round draft choice. And so he, he was a game manager. They, they get to the Super Bowl, and they're now two minutes to go in a tie game, and John Madden is imploring Belichick to run out the clock and play for overtime. And Tom takes him down the field to get into position for Venetary's field goal to beat the Rams as a 14-point underdog. I still say that was his greatest accomplishment. I mean, the, the list goes on and on, coming back from 28-3 to three in the Super Bowl, obviously, was huge. Um, but I think I would put what he's done this season as number two uh, behind what he did in, in 2001. I think I, I think I agree with you, Gary. Uh, from doing the book on him and talking with him, do you have one story or one thing that jumped out to you from your time with him and the research you did into that book? Wow. Um, off the field wise, off the field rather, um, I think what I found out, and I think it's become known now through his day, his year in Tampa, but really, you know, how beloved he is in the locker room and how he, he doesn't consider himself you know, better than anybody else. He just tries to be one of the guys 
Now, I doubt he's this way now, but he was always known as an all-pro practical joker. And, you know, don't, and Matt Castle, who got into a, a practical joke war with him, learned, and he said, you know, the lesson here, as he came out on the short end of it, was, you know, never mess with anybody who's got more money than you. Um, I think that's true. On the field, just his, his incredible dedication and commitment, uh, which I think goes back to feeling slighted at the University of Michigan, where he had a sat, had, had a sit for three years and then look over his shoulder at, at Drew Henson for two years. And so once he got the job in New England, Ross, he never wanted to give his backups any reps with the first team in practice because he truly was concerned. He always said to me, I don't want to give Belichick any chance to think somebody's better at doing this job than I am. So Castle had a fight for any first team rep what he'd get, even in training camp. And he's just incredibly competitive and and dedicated to 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 his team and to winning that there's really no way to overstate it. I mean that puts him on another level, just his his ability to want to soak up all the knowledge that he can, uh, his commitment to his teammates, and just his dedication to just everything it takes to be a quarterback in the league. I just – that has – which I mean, it, listen, he's got great ability, obviously, but I think it's the intangibles that's really made him different. As far as the Hall of Fame's concerned, Gary, um, my understanding – there's 15 finalists. My understanding is there's one person that's picked – to present all 15, and then there are discussions that are had, depending on who the candidate is, longer or shorter. And then there's a vote taken to get it down to 10, and then there's a vote from 10 to 5, and then there's sort of a a yay or nay vote on that final five. Is that correct? That's right. The only thing I'll correct you on when you say there's one person, one person presents one candidate. It's not like one person presents all 15. So right, right, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah well, that's, I knew that's what you meant, but I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, so the difference this year is usually we hold it at the Super Bowl site the day before the game. So it would have been Saturday, um, the Saturday under normal circumstances. Instead, we did it two weeks ago Tuesday, and we did it on Zoom. And I, I was pleasantly surprised at how normal it felt compared to sitting in the room with the other 47 voters. I mean, it was very well run. Everybody had the same opportunity to speak up. It was a very thorough process as usual. So as you're sitting here right now, you know who the guys are. I have an idea who the guys are. You know who the final five are that you had to say yay or nay on. You know, usually we do, and I just want to see if I can explain this as easily as possible. In a normal year, as you mentioned, we vote from 15 to 10, down to five, and then it's yes or no on the final five. They're not competing against each other. You can vote for all five or any combination of the five. This year, the way we – because there was such a long time between the vote and then the announcement at NFL Honors on Saturday night – the Hall of Fame did not want us knowing who the final five were. So without getting too specific, because it is somewhat complicated, we had our final vote. After we voted it down to five, we actually went back and then they said, okay, make, make it seem as all the final 10 are 
each of them were in the final five and vote yes or no on them, even though five of them were kind of dummy votes because those five had already been eliminated. I don't know if I'm explaining this well. I understand. I understand. They they had to do a second vote, but if you guys are smart, you know that it's the people that got narrowed down to the final five that are probably. Yeah, but the only thing was we didn't know who the final five were. Right. Oh, got because it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got we it. Hit it among the final ten. So, just for example, I mean, everybody knows Peyton Manning's getting in. So, Peyton Manning and four others were voted down to the final five. But then, instead of voting on those five, they threw in the others, the other five who were eliminated, in a vote to the from ten to five. And they right, said, and "You didn't know who got down to the final five. They never told they, you. They knew, but we didn't." Right. So, right. Okay. So I have a feeling based on who, how the conversations went, who the final five are. And obviously I know who I voted for, but I don't know the final outcome. And right. I, I would say, I mean, to be completely honest with you here, Ross, there were a lot of people, including myself, who um, gave the Hall of Fame some pushback here because clearly, and maybe with good reason, they didn't trust us that the results were not going to leak. And they wanted to be the ones to go out. And um, I'm sure David Baker traveled around the country instead of knocking on doors at a hotel room like he usually does after we vote. I, he probably showed up at these guys' offices or you know, more likely their homes and tried to give him the same sense of surprise that he does in a hotel room. Um, so they really wanted to keep it a secret so that the – the, the finalists um, or the five who got in didn't find out from us, but found out from David Baker. And they also wanted to keep it quiet from the public because they wanted to be a surprise on NFL honors. It, it was just a, for good reason. I mean, they were concerned about us keeping it a secret because I mean, unfortunately there are members of the committee. Usually we get done at four o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday and they do NFL honors you know, it's 7, 7.30, and in those three hours, the names come out. So if it comes out in a three-hour period, they certainly felt it was going to come out over the course of 17 days. It's just it made us feel, at least it made me feel they didn't trust us, and they probably had good – now, I never leak it, um, but clearly there are people who, who let, let it out, and they wanted to avoid that. So I don't know. I can sit here and honestly tell you I don't know. Are you um... – are you able to t- say, and I know that there's restrictions, are you able to say, number one, who there were long discussions about or short? And then number two, are you able to tell me who you voted for? I know there's restrictions. I'm just asking. Those are the two things in my head. Like I wanted to ask you who were the longest discussions around or shortest. And then I wanted to ask you, you said, you know who you voted for. But I know there's also restrictions. I'm not putting you in a bad spot. Just tell me whatever. No, the no, answer. no, no, no. I, I, I will be completely forthcoming with you about my vote. I don't, I don't care. Uh, I know the baseball writers, you know, tweet their votes. So I think I believe in complete transparency. I can tell you the shortest discussion, which <laughs> tied for the shortest of all time, because there was no discussion at all, was Peyton Manning. Um, the Mike Chapel in Indianapolis always presents the, the Colts uh, finalists. And he basically stood up, said Peyton Manning and sat down and we went on to the next candidate. There was, if anybody wanted to talk about Peyton, they certainly had that opportunity, but you know, stuff like that happened with uh, Jerry Rice and um, 
you know, and others, I'm sure, over the years. Um, so there's no – Peyton was the shortest. I'm, I'm going to look at my list. I'm just going to look off camera here for a second um, to refresh my memory. I mean, there were long conversations, as usual, about Tony Baselli because of the shortness of his career and how he was a dominant player for the years that he had played. He was probably, if not the best left tackle, then um, – one of the two or three best, and and you'd know more than I would because you you know such a a connoisseur of great offensive line play. But I mean, Tony Baselli was among the best who ever played the game, and the reason he's not in the Hall of Fame as of yet, and maybe he will be on Saturday, is because his career was so short through no fault of his own. He just got hurt, and it was kind of a Terrell Davis situation. And the comparison was made. Um, TD, what he had going for him was two Super Bowl championships and a Super Bowl MVP. Um, you know, there were those long conversations about Clay Matthews, you know, as in his 20th and final year as a finalist, um, there was a lot of conversation about him. Why did it take him so long to become a finalist? Uh, and I, I can't say that whether he was earlier in his career or in, in his eligibility, but in the 10 or 12 years I've been on the committee, that was the first time we've discussed him. So most of the conversation goes at least 20 minutes on each candidate pretty much no matter who you are, including, excluding rather Peyton Manning, the ones that we really get into it, like the TO discussions a few years ago, three years in a row, each of those went about an hour. And um, we, we get situations like that where you have a candidate that there's a lot of conversation on. Um, as far as my final five, I don't have a problem telling you this and anybody I didn't vote for, um, I apologize. It doesn't mean I don't think that, you're a Hall of Famer. I, I really believe that anybody who makes it to the final 15, Ross, will eventually get in. That's kind of in the history of it. The numbers bear that out. So any of the 10 who did not get in this year, I'm fairly certain at some point you will, and you just have to wait your turn. That's how it goes. But my final five were uh, Peyton, obviously, Alan Fanica, Richard Seymour, John Lynch, and Charles Woodson. So the obvious omission here for me, uh, omission here for me with somebody like Calvin Johnson, who is, is a first-timer. You know, his numbers were spectacular. But when I – Ross, when I, I, maybe if you were voted, you would have felt differently because everybody has their own opinion. I, I just felt there were guys who were waiting a while, like an Alan Fanick, who was a tremendous player, that I just didn't think that Calvin Johnson, for example, deserved to jump the line ahead of Alan Fanick. He, to me, was not a no-brainer first-time Hall of Famer, although I absolutely believe he's a Hall of Famer. And I don't put a lot of weight on the first time, second time. It's basically I try to pick the guy, the five guys who I think are the most deserving that year. Gary, you're the man. Really appreciate you sharing that with us. Again, highly encourage everybody to check out Gary on social media at Gary Myers, New York. And then all of his books are so awesome. If you go to his Twitter you can see the picture of all the books he's written. It's really cool. Um, you'll enjoy all. Of, I don't read very many books, but Gary always sends me his when he writes one. So I always end up <laughs> in the summer while I'm at the beach reading a Gary Myers book. It's unbelievable. It's like, I, I want to say this first. You you like free books and and the and the halftime food. <laughs> and if I just I just want to correct you on one thing. The Twitter is Gary Myers NY. It's not New York spelled out. 
Oh, I'm it's sorry. Just, At Gary Myers, NY. I just keep when I see NY, I say I think New York. Of course. At Gary Myers, and, and, NY. At Gary Myers, NY. Thank you, Gary. Thanks a lot, Ross. I appreciate you having me on. There he is, Gary Myers. That was awesome to hear the behind the scenes stuff. There was no conversation for Peyton Manning, and I appreciate him going ahead and letting us know exactly who he voted for for the Hall of Fame, even though I think he should have voted for Tony Baselli, I'll save that for another day. How about this, by the way? In every relationship, there's a short-lived list of forgivable offenses. Missing the most romantic day of the year, it's not one of them. Can't blow this, fellas. Cannot blow this. 100 Flowers is the easiest and best Valentine's Day gift there. I have it on my phone. I do it while I'm working out sometimes. Have it on my laptop. I've got my login already there. And boom, I just plug in 100flowers.com. I go to the radio icon. I put in the code football. And then I order flowers. There's great deals at 100flowers.com. Do it now. Get it out of the way before this weekend. Look, you're successful. You listen to this show. Don't be the type of person that procrastinates and then you're scrambling next week. Just do it now. To order last-minute Valentine's bouquets, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, enter code FOOTBALL. Valentine's Day is Sunday, so order today and save at 1-800-Flowers.com, code FOOTBALL. Morning, Ross. A couple of uh, quick news items today. The Eagles are reportedly getting trade calls on quarterback Carson Wentz, and according to Mike Garofalo and Ian Rappaport, they haven't hung up the phone. Right. Uh, and I, I thought it was interesting. Former Eagles president Joe Banner tweeted, at this point it should be obvious Wentz isn't going to be in Philadelphia. You know, when this stuff starts to get leaked like this and the Eagles aren't, quote, unquote, hanging up the phone, it does usually trend that way. I'm not saying it's 100%, but it's certainly between these reports and the Joe Banner tweet, uh, it's looking Less and less likely that Carson Wentz will be with the Eagles next season. Some other news, including quarterback uh, and quarterbacks, will be uh, Nathan Peterman re-signing with the Raiders and uh, ESPN analyst Teddy Bruschi saying that Matthew Stafford wasn't tough enough to sign with the New England Patriots. I think the Raiders, I mean, they like having three quarterbacks they like. They still have Carr and Mariota under contract. I guess there's some... Chance that they trade one of them and they want to make sure they had a backup they like, and evidently they like Peterman. As for the Brewski thing, I mean, he's clearly not talking about physical toughness because Matthew Stafford is physically tough as nails. Uh, I think Teddy said something about, you know, he can't take hard coaching. I guess I just don't know who Teddy would have gotten that from if he didn't get it from Matt Patricia. Um, I don't know. I feel like he wouldn't be saying that if Matthew Stafford had said, I would be traded to the New England Patriots. I would accept the trade there. And if the Patriots traded for him, I feel like Teddy wouldn't be saying that. So I don't know. I don't put a whole lot of stock in that. That that sounds like Teddy's not real happy that Stafford had no interest in the Patriots. Ducks takes. All right, here we go. Last game of the year. Your breakdown, your score, your prediction for Super Bowl 55. Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Bucks. 
And again, if you're into the prop bets, Joe Dolan and I went through all the different skill guys on the Fantasy Feast this week. And obviously on the Even Money podcast, Steve Fezzik and I made our bets there. So if you're into either one of those things, the prop bets or the actual bets on the game, check out those shows. I will tell you that the point spread at DraftKings is currently the Chiefs are favored by three points. And the total is 56 points. So on the Even Money podcast earlier in the week, when I got it at 56 and a half, I got the extra half point there. I guess that means they think the score will be what? Uh, Try to do the math here real quick. It's like they think the score will be basically 30 to 27. Basically 30 to 27 Chiefs. 29 and a half to 26 and a half uh, Chiefs. And honestly, that's not that far off of – where I think it's going. I think the line at DraftKings is pretty good. I I personally think it's a little bit lower scoring than that. I think that, look, I I believe if they both play about the same, I think the Chiefs are the better team, right? So, Brian, if they both play an A game, if they both play their A game, I think the Chiefs win. If they both play their B-plus game or B-minus game, I think the Chiefs win. I think the Bucs have to play better than the Chiefs. I think the Bucs have to play like an A game and hope that the Chiefs play a B or a C game, which is certainly possible. You know, the matchup that the Bucs absolutely, unequivocally have to win is their D-line against the Chiefs' offensive line. I think I talked about this earlier in the week, but I'm going to reiterate it because this is my area of expertise, right? The Chiefs essentially got worse at three spots. No Eric Fisher means you move your right tackle, Mike Remmers, to left tackle. You move your right guard, Andrew Wiley, to right tackle. And you bring in Stefan Wisniewski at right guard. So they just got worse at three spots. Three spots. The flip side to that is they're also not used to playing next to each other. Now, I know they've got two weeks of practice. And they'll go over all the stunts and all the blitzes and they'll communicate, but it's not like actual live reps next to each other over the course of a season and training camp. I mean, Nick Allegretti, the left guard, he's not used to playing with Mike Remmers at left tackle. You know, Austin Ryder is not used to playing with Wisniewski next to him. Wisniewski's not used to playing with Andrew Wiley. So there is some opportunity there for some mental errors, some miscommunication on behalf of the Chiefs offensive line, and and really just an excellent Bucks D-line. Shaq Barrett and JPB combined for five sacks against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Going to have to be similar. Vita Vea and Dominican Sue up the middle. Going to have to be similar. I also think, look, the Bucks beat the Packers, and Brady threw three picks in the second half, two of which were really bad. I don't envision that happening again. I don't think Brady's going to be out there throwing picks. So I do think we're in for a great game. I think it's going to be a one-score game. I think it can go either way. I am so pumped up about it. I will tell you, if you're into this thing at all, the DraftKings Sportsbook app or regular app, if you put 50 bucks on them on there to be a touchdown in the game, you'll double your money. There's going to be a touchdown in the game. And then everyone can do the prediction challenge. It's not even like betting on the DraftKings app or the DraftKings Sportsbook app, just do the prediction challenge. You get an instant prize between $3 to $25,000. And that goes until the fourth quarter starts. You can do it while you're watching the game on the DraftKings app 
or the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Either way, just use the promo code Ross, which is awesome. Uh, ultimately, Bry, I am going to go and I'm going to say Chiefs 27, Bucks 24. I'm not going to predict that the Bucks necessarily play better than the Chiefs. Won't be surprised at all, not even a little bit. But I will say Chiefs 27, Bucks 24. I don't think it's quite as high scoring as the betting lines like DraftKings think. I think we're in for a dandy of a game. Enjoy it. We will be back early Monday morning to break it all down. Um, I should mention tonight I'm on CBS Sports Network. I think around here, Channel 854 from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. Got to get a haircut this morning. I shaved a little bit. So you can see your boy with a suit on tonight from 7 to 9 or DVR it. And then Sunday, I'm actually going to be on the DraftKings live stream from 5 to 6 p.m. breaking down their preview of the game. So I think that's like Twitch or YouTube or whatever. As always, whether it's CBS Sports Network or Twitch or YouTube, the DraftKings thing, you guys take a picture, screenshot it of watching me on TV or watching me on Twitch or whatever and and send it to me in a tweet, I will retweet it. I love that. I love when you guys get a chance to check me out on the, on the old TV or Twitch or your iPad or however you're going to watch me on the DraftKings thing, 5 to 6 on Sunday. Anyway, shout-outs, Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, SteakhouseSports.com, Vision Comics with an X, and, of course, DinerDepot.com. Love our I Think We're Done Here patrons. Remember, we're never done here. I'll be back Monday morning. We will be three times a week in the offseason, maybe even increase that, depending on how you guys uh, enjoy it, how many people are listening and watching, maybe even increase that. We'll see what happens. Definitely we'll have a weekly even money, fantasy feast, college draft, and, of course, Andrew Brandt's business of sports. So at a minimum, seven podcasts for you guys every week. I think we're done here. Enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.